live in a world bombarded with noise. Advertising, social media, self-help initiatives, and an unending amount of information at our fingertips. With so many voices competing for our attention and attempting to direct our lives, how do we know which one to listen to? And in the midst of the noise, how do we determine the will of God? Can his voice be heard above all the others? Tune in and listen. Now tonight, I want us to talk very briefly about preparing for the work. Preparing for the work. Way before we stepped into this new season, God told us to do something specifically, and that's in the book of Isaiah chapter 54. If you remember, all through last weekend, it resonated. You know, we, we kept talking about it. And that is not to say because last, you know, the conference is over, um, we will not talk about it anymore. Actually, the conference is not the, com- you know, it's not the culmination of things, but rather the beginning, the start. Isaiah 54. Verse number two. See, enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. You say, enlarge, enlarge, enlarge. Say that with me, enlarge. enlarge. All right. Who is he talking to? He's talking to you and me. He's not talking to the air. He's talking to us. So when he says enlarge, it means we've got to do something. We've got to work. So the enlarging is ours to do. The capacity feeling is his. But for us, it's to make room. Is to make room. So how do we make room? Because there is a sound of abundance of rain. Right? But you've got to be ready to collect the water. You've got to be ready. If, the, if, if you've been thinking, well, I've not had water, um, that, you know, especially in uh, regional areas, they still make use of um, of rainwater, a lot. They still make use of rainwater, but if you are not ready, the rain will fall and stop. But you've not done your part, so make room f- to collect water, because that water is collected for a reason. You will need it for laundry. You will need it for uh, watering. Your garden. You will need it. The rain falls, but it doesn't fall every day. But there's a time of rain. But it's our responsibility to be prepared for rain. There's a sound of abundance of rain. Would you make room? Would you enlarge the place of thy tent? What does it mean to enlarge? In other words, create more room, create more space. So you might think right now, well, the space that we have, there is still a void in it. But God is saying, create more space. Create more space. It might not look, um, it might not look cloudy, but the rain is coming. The cloud is starting to gather. The cloud does not form in place. It is carried by the wind. Are we still here? The cloud does not form in a particular space. And you say, well, the cloud is forming here and it's going to drop. No, the, ca- the cloud is actually transported by the wind. And that is why you might see cloud forming and then all of a sudden that cloud is blown away. And it's sunshine again. You thought, I thought it was going to rain. And why is it not raining anymore? 
The scripture tells us that if the clouds be full of rain, they empty. But you've got to be expectant of the rain. You've got to call it forth. And you've got to be prepared for it. And as a church, God is saying to us, hey, make room. Make room. And some of us might think, well, it's hard to make room. Um, and then you probably might count how many people. And then you allow the number of people to limit your thinking or rather limit your faith in God. No, but he says make room. You see, that woman that prophet Elijah spoke to and said, this little jar of oil, you go gather as many containers as you can and then take your child in, your son in, into the room, lock the doors and start to pour. She would have limited her own thinking and said, well, um, it's a little jar of oil. It just means that it can only fill its own little container. She would have limited herself. And there, then there will not be any miracle. Miracle only comes from a place of faith. And actually, there is no miracle if there is no seeming impossibility. Are you still here? Because miracle comes as a result of what you think is no longer possible, that humanly speaking, we give up on it. But from God's perspective, that's where it starts. Because that's, you know, at the very moment where you think it's no longer possible, that's where God says, I'm here, son. I'm here. You see, the scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, now faith is a substance, is a substance, is a substance, is the evidence, evidence of things not seen. Evidence. What is an evidence? Evidence is usually something that you see, you can touch, you can taste. That's an evidence. But it says faith is an evidence of unseen realities. So your eyes might not be able to see it. You may not be able to touch it. You may not be able to smell it. You may not be able to feel it. It's a, but it's real. It's more real than the things that you can see. Why? Because the one who makes it real is the invisible God. You see, and, and that's why people think there's no God because they can see him. You can see him. But you can see the wind. But you can see the effect of the wind. Interestingly though, you can feel the wind. You may not even be able to feel God. But he's more real than these things that you can see. And that is why every time we make ourselves available to him, we just say, God, just move yourself. Do it yourself. Not the way we've always known. Because if it's the way you've always known, you will always expect the same result. And why have you not been better than you are? Because we've always thought in a particular way. So God is not going to move the way you've always known. He's going to move his way. If you allow him, if you permit him to move his way. So in this new season, he's going to say so many things that is unreal to you. That beats your imagination. That will look stupid completely. But the question is, would you be willing to take a step of faith? And enlarge your tent. Even though it seemed like nothing would fill it. Would you be willing? Would you have faith enough to enlarge your tent? Even though it feels like it's the most stupid thing that you've ever done. You see, some of us are more afraid of being embarrassed. Right? We are more afraid of being embarrassed than giving glory to God. We feel like, well, what if it doesn't happen? What's your problem? What if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen, actually? Yeah, what if it doesn't happen? Does that make you smaller? He said, but then I'll be so embarrassed. So, I thought you were a child of God. I thought this was not about you. When did it become about you? 
I thought you were giving glory to God. How come you're now, you're now collecting all the glories for yourself? Because you feel like it would, if it doesn't happen, I will be embarrassed. Really? Because God cannot use someone who is full of himself. He wants to use someone who is filled with the Holy Ghost. And he can only use you if you're willing to say, Spirit of God, fill me, use me, however you want. And he will. He will. Three scriptures I would suggest to you never to forget in this season. Is this particular one, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 and 3. And then John chapter 21. As well as John chapter 3, verse 8. Never forget those three scriptures because that is what this new season is based on. And I'm just going to read it very quickly with you. Let's not forget verse 3 first of Isaiah chapter number 54, verse 3. What does it say? It says, For thou shalt break forth on the right and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles, and make the desolate cities to be habitable. Hallelujah. So, John chapter 21. You ready for it? You see, in this season, you are not going to be led by how many people you see. You'll be led by the Spirit of God. It might just be only you in the room, but it will feel as though there are millions of people in that room. You know, make use of every space, make use of every opportunity. Do you know why? Because there are angels all around you, all around you, all around you. All around you. You remember that the devil went to tempt Jesus in the wilderness. But as long as there was the mention of the devil tempting Jesus, no, there was no mention of angels. But once the devil left, the Bible tells us that the angels came and ministered to him. If you allow him into your thoughts, the angels will disappear off your sight. Or rather, they will, take, they will go in the background. They are in the background. Never forget, Hebrews says that they are ministering spirit. Aha. So if they are ministering spirit, their job is to always minister to those who will inherit. So they are always ministering. So they are all over you. And you've got to be able to understand that. That the angels are all around. So don't ever feel uh, it's just me and you in the room. As long as you are there, as long as you are there, oh God, I'm going to a scripture, but can I take you somewhere else first? Is that okay? Because I really want you to be ready for this season. This season is an amazing season. This season does not take number. It, 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 it only is dependent on your faith and how much you're ready. And if you're ready, God can use you. How many prime ministers do we have? One, isn't it? How many presidents of the United States are there currently? One. But when the president is going somewhere, how many people show up? A whole lot. A whole lot. All right, look at this. Psalm 24. Always acknowledge this guy. Always acknowledge him. Verse number one said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he had founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floors. Who shall ascend unto the hills of the Lord? Uh, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He said, He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Salah. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. The King. Did he say kings? No. He said the King of glory shall come in. And there's a, there's a question. Who is this King of glory? Hear this. The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Hear this again. Who is this King of glory? And what's the next one? The Lord of hosts. 
See, in another translation, he calls him the Lord of Angels' armies. The Lord of Angels' armies. And if you want to have a glimpse of the armies in heaven, go to the book of Revelation. It shows you that the number of those who just stand in the presence of God is much more than you can count. It's much more than you can count. If the worlds and the universes and the, the various uh, you know, elements in our atmosphere is much more than you can count, how much more those who surround the throne? So here it is. The Holy Spirit that you have received is the spirit of the King of Glory. Are you still here? So when it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that who? That the king of glory may come in. It's coming by his spirit. And he's saying, who is this king of glory? He's actually saying, the Lord who goes with the angels' armies. The Lord who does not walk by himself. The Lord who goes in an entourage. Is this king of glory that we are talking about? So in other words, wherever you are as a child of God and you are carrying the Holy Ghost, guess how many people are there? The whole entourage of heaven. They are there. And that's what I'm saying. Don't ever feel like you're on your own. You're not alone. But this word works for you as much as you understand it. You're not alone. He's a, he's a king of glory. The Lord of hosts. So as the Lord of hosts is there, guess what? You know, just imagine for a moment. The president of the United States of America decides to stop by your house. Just imagine for a moment. They just decide to stop by your house and then say, I'm sleeping over here tonight. Just imagine for a moment. That's the night that you will sleep without any care in the world. Because you know you are safe. You're safer than safe. You are not safe on your own. But just because of the person with you, Just imagine what will happen in the city, in the, in the streets. No, just imagine. Just imagine how many people will, will rock up at your house. Just the fact that he says, I'm coming to your house, and he calls your name. Just imagine that every other intelligence and soldiers around him will give you the same honor as they will give the president because I don't, we don't know who you are, but the president has decided to stay with you. So you must be as good as the president. You, you understand that? So everything around him, even when you say, okay, I just want to go to the shop. A part of his entourage will follow you. And this time, the president is saying, wherever you go, I will go. I'm here to stick with you. I want to be in your business today. That's what he says, right? Jesus said, he will be with you always. Always. And if he will be with you always, it means wherever you go, he goes. And wherever he goes, the entourage follows Do you understand that you're not on your own? Not on your own. Not at all. Not at all. Even when you're sleeping, you're not on your own. Don't ever think once you close your eyes, then he goes away and then comes back when you're awake. No. He's much more there when you're sleeping. He's much more there when you're not even aware of him. You're not on your own. At all. 
Even when you're doing some terrible things, that's why he's the one pointing out those things that you've done because he's with you. He puts something in your spirit that makes you feel like this is really bad what I just did. Why? Because the Holy Spirit cannot stand evil. He cannot stand sin. And that is why you, 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 you start feeling this thing that I've just done is wrong because the Holy Spirit is pointing it out. There are those who would do what you've done and feel like, yeah, I'm living a good life. Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. I was still here. All right. Now, here is then. Let's go then to John chapter number 21. And you remember this. And of course, even if you can't remember it now, by the end of this season, you will never forget this scripture, this chapter, and this conversation that Jesus had with, with his beloved Peter. <laughs> verse, verse number 18. In verse 15, it talks about uh, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, I love you. Lord, you know I love you. He said, you know, feed my sheep. Um, you know, ask him again, do you love me more than these? He said, feed, feed my sheep. And the third time he said, feed my sheep. But then the third time, you know, Peter started to think, but Lord, you, you know all things. You know I love you. Of course, he felt a, li a little bit ticked off. You know, you, start, you keep asking me, do you love me? Do you love me? I've already told you. I won't lie to you, God. So, okay, feed my sheep. Then there comes verse number 18. It says, verily, verily, I say unto you, when thou was young, thou gathest thyself and walkest Whither thou wouldest. I like it. Old English. Love it. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall guide thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. He said, when you were young, you would usually dress yourself up and go wherever you want to go. You make the decisions for yourself. You do whatever you want to do, whatsoever, right? But he said, but when you are old, the word old is actually the same word for mature. When you are mature, he said, this time, guess what will happen? He said, but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands. In other words, you shall give control. You shall stretch forth your hand. And another, see that? See, and another shall dress you up and carry you where you do not want to go. So how come maturity takes away your control? That's what it seeks to do. Because that's when you become a disciple. A disciple is a disciplined follower. Maturity gets you to a place where you lose your control. Not by force, but willingly. You've come to know that you can do this all on your own. You've come to know the one that I'm with, he has the word of life. You see, all of a sudden, one morning, Jesus used to have a church of 72 plus 12. How many is that? 72 plus 12? 84? 84, right? Interesting. And all of a sudden, 72 left on the same day. They all got upset and left. Because of one thing Jesus said the previous night, they didn't like it. Jesus himself said something that you did not like. Whoa. Yeah. And yes, in him was, was wisdom. And then he said something that 72 people walked, woke up one morning and said, oh, we don't like that. And they left. So if people left Jesus, how about me? I won't kill myself over that. I won't have a bad night over it. Uh, but I'll, I'll, be, you know, I'll be truthful to, to you. The problem might worry me just a little bit, a tiny little bit, until that same thing that he continues to tell me drops back into my spirit, which is, whose church is it? Is it yours or mine? I say, Lord, is yours. I say, okay, then. 
And I'll go to sleep and have a good sleep. Because it's this church. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's this church. So, 72 left. And then the 12 rocked up and they were looking a bit, probably because the only reason Jesus would ask that kind of a question was probably because of the way they were looking. They were looking, probably thinking what the 72 thought about, they're sensing it. But we're kind of here, we're just going to hang around. Not quite sure now because I already lost my job, so where will I go? I'm just hanging around this guy. So they hung around Jesus and Jesus said, would you also go away? And Peter said, to whom shall we go? Oh, we, we, we've spent this almost last three years following you. We have no, we have no social connection anymore. <laughs> to whom shall we go? We left our job thinking about, you know, this is the job, you know. Um, you are now the king and we want to be your special people. To whom shall we go? Seeing that you have words of eternal life. So to whom shall we go? So you see how that the more mature in Christ you are, the more of your control you hand over to him. You say, Lord, I used to make these decisions myself, but it's going to be yours now. You remember Acts chapter 5? You remember Acts chapter 5? Did Ananias and Sapphira scripture, chapter all right, Ananias and Sapphira owned a plot. Can, can we do that very quickly? Is that okay? Acts 5. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife sold a possession when it says sold a possession, it sold what belonged to them. It was their own, right? Okay. Uh, and kept back part of the prize. His wife also, being privy to it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep back part of the prize of the land. Whose land is it? It was theirs. It was Ananias. Not Peter's. Not the church. It belonged to Ananias. However, take note of what happened before chapter 5. Chapter 4, verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul... Neither said them that out of the things which he possessed was his own. So in other words, they're saying none of them any longer took possession or rather identified the things that used to belong to them as their own anymore. It was now the church. It now belonged to each other. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And, and great grace, great grace, say that with me. Great grace, great grace was upon them. Woo! Woo! Great grace. Ooh. Great grace was upon them. Just being one. Just saying what is mine is ours. Let's share. You know? Woo! I love it. Say, great grace was upon them all. See, neither was there any among them. Ah, ah. <laughs> Did you see the next word? Did you see the next word? So, in other words, before, before this attitude, before this new character and culture within the church, there could have been those who were rich and there could have been those who were poor. But now that no one took possession or rather took, um, what's the word? 
They didn't claim what they had as their own, but rather as belonging to everybody. So great grace was upon them. Neither was anyone who lacked. Hallelujah. So neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the prizes of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Can we do that in our day and age? Oh, God. Ah, can you do that? Practically impossible. It was the same world we live now that they lived back then. And it is the idea of giving away control. It's no longer mine. Before it was mine, it was yours first. And what you gave me from it, I give to you. It's a culture that you can't pretend to be part of that culture. You are either in or out. You can't pretend. You can't pretend for too long. You get exposed. And who exposes people? The Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit. So, you say, and look at it again. Say, neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prizes of the things that were sold. Now, it's not saying as many as were those who had you know, houses that they lived in. No, it's not talking about that because where would they live? But as in, if you had things that you decided, okay, this is, a, this is my investment, you know, this I will keep for my great-grandchildren who were not even born yet. He said, they sold them and brought the monies to a, a, the apostles' feet, right? Am I asking you to do that? No, that's not what I'm saying. That's not why I'm reading this. Well, I'm telling you the culture of the church, Okay? Mm. See, and laid them down, verse 35, at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, ha, Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of, of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having sold, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. That was Joseph, who the apostles decided to call Barnabas. You know, we're giving out prizes on, on, sun, uh, on Sunday, and there was one who received the prize as in the award, Barnabas Award. And this is where it's coming from, the son of consolation. Son of consolation. We'll talk more about that, not today. He said, having sold land, having land sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias would have seen that. Sapphira would have seen that. And thought, that's a good thing. Let's do it. Let's do it too. Let's do it too. They did. They had a good motive. But wrong spirit. So, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold the possession and kept back part of the prize. His wife was also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why had Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not still in your power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in your heart? That thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. In other words, before you sold it, it was yours. After you sold it, you, you could have decided to keep the money. It's still yours. So, But when you bring it and say, Lord, I'm giving you everything, yet part of it is stored back in, at home, say, then you are lying to the Holy Ghost. So you lie. So there are some, there are some people who will look at the way others are, um, are enjoying their freedom in Christ. 
wants to imitate the same thing. But because their spirit is not there, they miss out. People go to church for so many reasons. You know, when we're younger, people used to say, well, some people have come to church just to look for, you know, life partners. Like, really? Okay. <laughs> okay. But it's good if you want to do that. At least you, you are sure that this person is God's child. You only go to a family where you trust the people. Right? But you see, the children that we, that, that we have at, in, in our house are those children who would not just follow you because you have six-pack. They won't follow you because you are quite fluent or smooth. You know, after the first date, they will know. They will see what is behind it. They will only follow you because there is something in you. And it's not different from the Holy Spirit. So, we can't pretend to bring what is not there. It's got to be there. It's got to be real. Adonis and Sapphira, they say, it's yours. It was yours. After you sold it, it, it still was yours. So why did you decide to lie to the Holy Spirit? So you see what we're talking about, maturity. And giving over your own power. Giving over your control. So that was what Jesus was saying to Peter. He said, Peter, when you were young, you used to do whatever you wanted to do. He said, but when you are mature, when you understand, when you now come into that level where you allow the Holy Spirit to take all of you, he said, then you realize that you're no longer the one making decisions. He's the one making your decisions for you. Even leading you to where you do not even want to go. Do you know why he leads you to where you didn't even want to go? Because he already created that path for you. And he knows that path is good for you. It's good for you. Oh, talk to me. Three-year-old, four-year-old, even ten-year-old. You give, you know, if they had the right, or, or, or no, not, not the right. If they had the freedom, they would drink, you know, Fanta in the morning, Sprite in the afternoon, and Coke at night. Right? But then, someone comes in and spoils the party. They call the parent. The parent goes, no, you can't have Fanta in the morning, sorry. You can't have Coke for dinner. No, thank you. Because it's not healthy for you. And because those kind of kids have not grown up well or they couldn't wait to leave their parents' house, when they are now adults, they still go back to the same thing. They eat the wrong food. But while they are still under their parents, see, in as much as they are complete human being, but the control is for the parent. And the parent is saying, no, you can't drink that, you can't eat that. You've got to eat proper food. You can't have lollies for dinner. Right? But the kids want to. They will love you forever if you give them lollies. Right? But parents, they know that that love is, is short-lived if you actually feed them lolly morning, day, and night. They will love you. But when they get to know what you fed them, they will hate you forever. And that is why the Holy Spirit at times leads you where you don't even want to go because he knows what is best for you. He's not going to feed you with Coke in the morning, Fanta in the afternoon, the Sprite at night. He will give you words that will challenge you. He will, he will plant you in a place that will challenge your character. The attitude that you feel like you are the best among so many, he will challenge it. It gets to a point where you go, no, I can't stand this anymore. He said, so what do you want to do? Because as long as you allow me in your life, I'm going to cut out that stupid attitude. I'm going to ensure that when you say you love, you love right. You don't love just so that you are praised. You don't do things so that at the end of the year you get an award. You do things because that's where your heart is at. I was still here. So he said, then enlarge. Enlarge your tent. 
enlarge it. Because I want you to enlarge your tent by the way you speak to others. I want you to enlarge your tent by the way you perceive others. Let your heart have room in it to carry both people who speak well of you. And especially those who do not even speak well of you. Because of me. Because of me. Don't speak well of you. He said, Lord, you see, they're talking against me. Say, okay. So when did you become God? So what I told you before, if they did this to, to me as your master, what do you think they would do to you? You know, what's, where was than they did to me? So I've told you so that you know. Because that's how the world rolls. John chapter number 3. Don't worry, we'll be done soon. John chapter 3 verse number 8. Don't forget that. So the last one was John chapter 21 verse number 18. Right? Then this is John chapter 3 verse 8. The first one was Isaiah chapter 54 verse 2 and 3. Those three scriptures, please don't forget them. Verse 8. The wind blows wherever it listed, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst, canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So the wind blows wherever it wants to go. But you may hear the sound, but you don't know where it's coming from, nor where it's going. So such is everyone that is born of the Spirit. That is born of the Spirit. So don't, what does that mean? In other words, if you are born of the Spirit... There's a direction that's only determined for you by the Holy Spirit. At times people think, oh, this is what she's going to do. Or this is what he's going to do. But at the very last moment, the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go that way. Go this way. You're so mature in him, so akin to his voice, to the extent that he gives you last minute instructions. Because he knows you will hear him and you will obey. And you are about to invest. And you're thinking, I've not heard his voice, I've not heard his voice. But the last minute, he goes, no, not to that person. Stop. Go the other way. He spoke to Stephen that way. You remember Stephen in the book of Acts? He spoke to Stephen. Stephen said to him, Stephen, you're walking at the moment. You don't even know where you're going at the moment. It's okay, but I'm leading you. And then Stephen saw this guy, the Ethiopian eunuch, said, go join yourself to him. Just join him. He didn't tell Stephen in the morning, uh, Stephen, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you, give you a prophecy of what's going to happen in the future. He didn't tell Stephen that. He didn't tell Stephen that. He just said, Stephen, you go. As you walk, I will direct you. I'll show you where to go. Stephen got to that guy and said, do you understand what you're even reading? And the guy said, how would I understand if there's no one to teach me? He said, okay. Oh, push, come on, push. And he sat in. And in a few minutes, he explained the gospel to him. It was the guy who saw a stream of water or a river by the side and said, Stephen, what stops you from baptizing me right now. And he got baptized right there. And he probably would have loved to spend the night with Stephen, but the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit whisked him away. In other words, you're done. He takes you away. Probably Stephen would have been so happy. Oh, look at, you know, my spiritual son. He wants to stay more and speak God's word to him more and get to know him. Especially because he is someone who stands before the queen. But the Holy Spirit has a different motive. Time to go. So when you are mature, another will lead you. And even lead you to where you didn't want to go. See, that's the spirit in this house. 
That's the spirit in this house. He tells us whatever he wants us to do. We don't have a long-term strategy. We may have written things down to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We'll do that until we hear his voice. And when he says, we'll scrap all of those things that we've written down. And we'll go with his plan. Because his plan is better. It's better. And that is why when we have our time together and, and have conversations and pray, he may speak to us right there. He may not speak to us, but we are in his will. And at a particular point, he goes, okay, stop now, do something else. And then we'll go for it. We don't get emotional about anything. Why? Because he knows how to lead his people. I was still here. Now, there's the last one I want to show to you very quickly before I let you go. Exodus chapter 31. What are we talking about? You remember this, the, the title today? Preparing for the work. You ready for it? Exodus 31. Verse number one. Say, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Har, of the tribe of Judah. Let's stop there for a moment. Who is Har? Who is Huri? Why did God have to trace these people down to the tribe of Judah? Because there's an anointing that flows in certain families. Now, her was actually the husband of Miriam, the sister of Moses. Mm. Now, God is telling Moses, See, I've called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, and of the tribe of Judah. See, and I have filled him with what? With the Spirit of God. In wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones to set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship and I beheld, uh, behold I have given with him Aholiab the son of Ahi Samach of the tribe of Dan and in the heart of all that are wise hearted I have put wisdom that they may make all that I have commanded thee who is thee? who is thee? Moses so God gave a command, uh, a command an instruction to Moses to do a certain thing but guess what? he went on and anointed others to help in the work. So, just because of what God has had called Moses to do, he anointed others. Are you still here? God anointed others. You see, back then, people weren't filled with the Spirit. Or rather, they were filled with the Spirit for a, for a certain time. And goes. And not all of them have the full Spirit of God. What do I mean by full Spirit of God? You know, when in the book of Hebrews, or no, no, not Hebrews, Revelations, it talks about the seven Spirits of God. The seven Spirits of God. And who are the seven Spirits of God? The, the Bible tells us very clearly in um, Isaiah chapter 11, it mentions actually the seven Spirits of God. So it's the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. And of knowledge, of might, and of the fear of the Lord. But guess this guy, Bezalel, got a huge chunk 
of the Spirit. See it again. Verse number three. You say, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Did you see that? Who is talking? Who is speaking at the moment? God is speaking. And he's saying, I filled him with the Spirit of God. How interesting. So he's saying that I have put off my spirit in him. And the spirit that I've put in him is the spirit of wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship. So whatever he's got to do, he's got wisdom, he's got knowledge, he's got understanding. So this is the guy who would try the first time and get it right. Because he's got a spirit. He will not do trial and error. Even when he makes mistakes, that becomes a, a different design. He said, I've called him specially and anointed him with the Spirit because of the work that I've put in your hand, Moses, to do. So the Spirit will continue to function in him because of the vision that I've put in your hand. Are you still here? You see, in this house, God will anoint you to the point where wherever you go, you just be a star. Because of the vision. It's true. Because of the vision. And God did not stop at Bezalel. He called a second person to be Bezalel's helper. And he said to that one, I filled him with what? With wisdom. There's so much that God has called us to do. Jesus said, the harvest is ready and it's plenty, but the laborers are few. But as long as one person, two people, whoever, how many people, says of the Lord, Lord, I'm mature enough and I'm ready to be used for your work, this anointing will fall upon him. You might not feel anything different, but you just, you just wade through effortlessly. Effortlessly. Doors will just open. Will just keep opening for you. And you're thinking, how come things are just happening around me? It's in accordance with the Word of God. It's in accordance. It's in accordance. And I've always told you that policies will be changed because of you. It will be changed. To favor you, only to favor you. Though an arrest, unrest will develop in one area of the government just to trigger a change in policy. To bring you favor. You heard what's happened in Afghanistan. What happened in Afghanistan is <laughs> a spiritual thing. Well, I'm not going to talk much about the spiritual implication of that. Nevertheless, the immigration law was changed. And new visa status were instituted. Just, of, just because people had to be taken out of Afghanistan and brought to Australia and apply for permanent residency straight away and become permanent residents and become citizens later on. That was changed just for them. And they are not going whoever wants. No, they are looking for them. As a child of God, you know you can trigger that change in your room, regardless of what it is. There are people who boasted many months ago, you know, until this happens, this will not happen. They are swapped. 
Why? Because the hearts of kings is in God's hands. It's in God's hands. They will be swapped. They will be swapped. For the sake of the gospel, the light of the glory of God will shine upon those. But that same light will be seen as a frightening lightning by others who do not recognize and honor God. Same light. Same light. And what I'm saying to you is prepare for the work. There's so much to be done. And we've got to come to that point where we know nothing shall be impossible. And the kind of language you need to get away, you know, get away from or rip out of your vocabulary is impossibility. Rip it out. Rip it out. You know, I've had, you know, I've had a, a few um, conversations with some of my, you know, uh, some members of my team and when they come, uh, and I've asked them to do a particular thing and say, oh, but it can be done. Like, really? Seriously? It can be done? It can't be done? Go and figure it out. There's nothing impossible. Now, at times it gets to the point where I see they're struggling. I sit there. I don't even know what it was until I sit there and just look at it. And the problem, I don't know what I do every time. Every time I sit down to do something that I've never done before, I just say, Holy Spirit, let's do this again together. Because he's always shown up. It's always shown up. Do you know till tomorrow when I sit behind my wheels to drive, I still say Holy Spirit. I've been driving for many years now. But I just go, Holy Spirit. Let's do this together. I may not be the smartest, but there's nothing I don't have a solution for. Because I dig deeper. My wife tell you, I don't give up on anything easily. Unless otherwise I didn't like it. If I don't like it, then I don't like it. Then I become lazy. But when you say something, especially when things are lost and you can't find them. As these guys, over the last weekend, so you can find them, go look for them. They went and looked. They spent days looking for them, right? And then that evening I thought, these things must be found. In the name of Jesus. My wife says, I have that anointing to find things. Yeah. But the anointing is in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. We've got to find this thing. Even in small little things, I still call him. Because he's my buddy. He's my best friend. That's not to say I do everything that, he, that pleases him all the time. But he knows where my heart is. And I say, Holy Spirit. So can I suggest to you that identify, recognize his voice and follow him all the time because there's work to be done. And in that work to be done, there's no impossibility. And if you can only rest in him and say, Lord, I want to do this thing. I want to do it for your glory. I want to do it. I want to do it. You know, you can even say, God, God, I, I just need the riches of the nations. <laughs> and you think he won't give it to you. He will give it to you. My kids come to me and say, Dad, uh, I want. And the first question I ask them is, for what? For what? At the back of my mind, I know I'm going to give it to them. But I just need a reason. Why do you want it? For what? Because I'm teaching them something. That is why every time you ask something of God, present your plan. Don't just go and say, Lord, I just need this thing to be done. Why? Why? Because if the plan is not to bring him glory, then it's useless. Present your plan. Lord, Lord. Say, yes, son, what's up? Yeah, I just need this. Because when I, so let's say for example, uh, what can I use as an example? I don't know. So let's say a microphone. Lord, I just need a microphone. 
Do you know why I need a microphone, God? Because it will help the sound to be louder so that I don't have to yell and annoy people and irritate people or even spit over people because I'm yelling. All right? But then, to be able to make it clearer and, you know, speak your word even more effectively, I need a clear sound. Because this will bring glory to you. So this is not about me. So at the end of the day, I'm taking myself out of the equation and centralizing my purpose to bring him glory. Why do you want to have a big business? Because I just want to be wealthy. Wealthy for what? Because when I'm wealthy, I become more generous, Lord. So, so what have you done with the ones that you have? Guess what? That's the point where I will say, stop right there. Don't complete the prayer first. Go and change your attitude. Fix, fix your life with what you have right now. Become generous with the little that you have. Become generous with your, with your time. Become generous with your words. Become generous. And then go back and finish the prayer. So, Lord, I've just shown you how generous I can be. You see, someone said, if you, Marcus, if someone gives you a million dollars right now, I said, that's an insult. I say, increase it, add three zeros to it. Okay, if someone gives you a billion dollars, I say, yes, I say, what will you do with it? I said, because it's already used. It's true. It's not because I'm greedy. That money is already used because there's a whole plan that it will fall into and, and meet that plan. It's already used. So every time I sit down and say, Lord, Lord, dare me, put that money in my hands and, and you see what it will bring to you. It's true. It's true. Can I suggest to you, be ready for his work. It's not time to fall asleep now. It's time to be ready and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. Whatever it takes, I'm ready. Is it my time that it requires? I'm ready. Is it my finances that it requires? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for the great grace. Ha! The great grace. The great grace that accompanies the church when they are one. I'm ready for the great grace. What is grace? Unmerited favor. A favor that beats your imagination. A favor that catches you by surprise. That you think, I, I'm not even worth this. How come? It's been left in my care. And not only left in my care to guard it, it's to use it to my, you know, in, in ways that I want to use it. But now here he's talking about great grace. I'm ready. I can connect. I can lock into what you've called us to do. I'm ready. And there's an anointing that has been released in this house tonight. It's been released. It's been released in such a way that as you continue to function in it, you won't struggle. You won't struggle at all. You won't struggle. It's been released. And as you start to rub off other people, that same anointing will rub off on them. To rub off on them. There are those who, are, who have been thinking, why, Lord, why did you bring me back here again? Why, why, why am I here again? I used to know why I'm here, but right now I can't even know why I'm here. I'm just now ticking boxes. See, that anointing, that anointing is being renewed in them. It's changing things. It's changing things. It's changing things. So for this very purpose, I brought you in so that you can have a new purpose for your life. A new purpose for your life. A new purpose. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll always be by you. See, but you've got to always listen to me. You've got to acknowledge that I'm here with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I quickly read this to you? And it's, it's a prophecy. Say, I've longed to pour out upon you even more of my love and power. Can't you see that I've designed you to be a carrier of my glory? Come before me and empty your heart. 
pour it out at my feet and I will fill you with such delight and joy that you will not be able to contain it. For I am building my church through the glory of my presence. He said, my plans for your life extend beyond your view, beyond your understanding. See, or you see what is in front of you today, but I've gone into your future. And know the good things that will unfold before you. So never doubt that your days are in my hands. This is the time for your destiny to become clear and your purpose to be unveiled. Do not be afraid of what comes, for what comes to you will be more of me. Stand in my presence until you know that I am your strength. Say, so rest in me and watch me fill you, protect you, and make you strong. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we stand on our feet? Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for what you've started to do in this house. I thank you because it's not by our might, not by our power, but by your spirit. And we give all control to you. We say, use us the way you want. Take us wherever you want. In the name of Jesus, prepare men and women for the work. We will be the one to extend our tent. And you'll be the one to fill it at capacity. In the name of Jesus, we thank you because what you've started is not for us to boast, but rather for us to bring you glory. We thank you in Jesus' name. The message you've heard was produced by the Transformation Edge, and we hope it has inspired you. For more information, please visit our website, www.thetransedge.com. Or you may contact us via email to frontdesk at thetransedge.com or on Facebook, The Trans Edge Church. You may wish to call us on 02-4731-2419. The Trans Edge, a change is inevitable.